Welcome to Everything Renewed Podcast. This is Wes Morgan. Listen, everyday people operate under habits and mindsets that prevents growth. This podcast is here to address those habits and mindsets and dismantle negative stigmas. We truly believe that if you start with the mind, everything can be renewed. Let's go. It's another day for your mind to be renewed. My name is Wes Morgan, and thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, I'm excited today. I have someone here um, that is um, hmm, an alumni of my high school, but more importantly, down in the Detroit area doing big things. And we'll get into that in a second, but you're in for a treat today. Um, I have been attempting lately to get off the topic of men. Uh, but for some odd reason, um, I cannot do that. Um, and I just based upon my work and the things that I've been doing in my practice, a lot of men have been struggling with trauma. And I thought to myself, I need to get someone here on the podcast who is certified, who can deal and give us some insight about uh, trauma. And that person is Ray Nard Meredith. Um, he comes from uh we, we call it the township, you know, not technically it's Ferndale, but it, it's, it's the township, Royal Oak Township. Uh, Raynard is a licensed professional counselor, just like myself. Uh, he's been practicing mental health counseling and diagnosing for over 12 years. So he's definitely qualified to be talking on this subject. Uh, he began his professional journey as a career counselor where he provided career guidance to displaced automotive workers during the 2008 economic recession, that's trauma. Uh, and Raynard then turned his passions toward inner city youth as a home-based therapist providing mental health counseling and diagnosing to youth and families in the legal system. Uh, he currently focuses on his talents on counseling and coaching for individuals through his private practice, True Thoughts LLC, I like that, in Metro Detroit, where over 90% of his clientele are professional Black Man, you're a bad brother. He believed um, that it's his, his calling to facilitate individuals in discovering their true self and happiness despite their past challenging life experience. Raynard, welcome, man. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here. And it's so good to see you, man, for, yeah. after so long. Yes, I am honored to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, likewise, man. We was just we just sharing before we start recording how we haven't seen each other probably since high school. Um, yeah. And what are the odds that we are both licensed professional counselors? Uh, so, you know, Ferndale did us some good. So how? Let, let me ask you this uh, before I ask you the other question. How did you what made you want to go into counseling? Oh, so for me, I ended up I kind of my story is a little weird because I kind of fell into it. So I start when I went away to, to college, I went to Michigan State University for undergrad. I started off, I went away to become a lawyer. I was like, mm. I'm going to become an, a corporate attorney and, you know, do this, this and this. And so long story short, I changed my major uh, a multitude of times, like a lot. <laughs> and I looked up and I said, oh, crap, it is junior year. You got to do something. And you have taken a whole bunch of classes that are unrelated. And so I said, well, what do, what's the, like the biggest um, cluster of classes that you've taken that you still have interest in? And it turned out to be psychology. Graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology and found that it was like very difficult to find a job 
with just a bachelor's degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. And then so I was like, okay, well, what can I do? I want to, you know, go forward and with, you know, with psychology jumped in I was like all right I did always want I did kind of have this interest in being like a uh being like a marriage and family therapist mm. so I was like well I'm gonna just go away go ahead go to school went away to a well went to Oakland University I got in there and I got a little bit discouraged because I was so young and people mm. were like couples ain't gonna listen to you da, 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 da. They, nobody's <laughs> you're not married you ain't got no kids you don't have this and I think I was maybe what like I was like 23 at the time wow and I was like all right so I ended up kind of like pushing that to the side and kind of like specializing in uh, individual counseling as well as looking at uh teenagers adolescents and so I did a lot of work with adolescents and teenagers and I ended up just kind of like falling in line with that and then as I got more into tune with that I got kind of got a little bit burned out on it mm-hmm. but I did it for like 12 years and I wanted to shift my specialty to more so adults and when counseling you'll find that a lot of the skills are transferable whether you're working with elderly you're working with teenagers or you're working with you know professional professional crowd you know young adults the skills are transferable it's just all about more so of how you implement those skills with each population and I found that a lot of the people that are around the same age as me were looking for some of the same supports and I branched off. I was like, well, I'll take one or two clients and just test the water and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And it took off from there. And I've been in love with it ever since. And I'm wow. like, all right, so I think I found my niche. I'm, I'm here. Wow. That's interesting because it seemed like it takes forever as counselors to find your niche. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to you when you was like married couples. It, and it's so discouraging because I somebody said the same thing to me. Like, why? You're young. Nobody's going to listen to you. And uh, during my internship, one of the first uh, couples I worked with, and I think that's what made me so interested in working with couples, uh, it was a 70, what was 72 and 74 year old couple um, in, in Holland, Michigan, where not a lot of us are. Uh, <laughs> and At then all. me as a therapist, here you go, you have a black man working with uh, a Dutch couple. And boy, was that not quite the experience. However, it was the best experience I have ever had. Um, and it taught me how not to judge and be, you know, making assumptions. So yeah, and to this day, that's probably why I love working with couples myself, because it's just something, just something that I really fell into, I couldn't really answer it. So um, man, I asked every one of my guests, I call it the everything renewed uh, question. What is something you would like to see changed in our world? Hmm. Something that I would like to see changed in our world. Uh, give me a second on that one. That's a really good one. Ah, that's a tough one. So I think I would really like to see change in our world is I really want to see, I really want to see people to be taught to just like go after whatever it is, like no matter whatever it is that they want. We have oftentimes when we see like young people and we're always so stuck on just kind of like reminding them of like the statistics of what is the probability probability of them accomplishing something and they need to do this, this and this. And I really want to see like people just like nurture what's true to them, Hmm. what their passions are without any type of, you know, with 
any type of like interruptions or you know somebody telling them that they need to think about that it like they can't do this because I just think about so many times where even in my own life where there were things that I wanted to try and there was somebody in my ear telling me that but the likelihood of you being able to do that is this or you know guys don't go into this or you know just things like that just really seeing people just truly allow kids to be nurtured um, and even young adults, because we, we find is that a lot of times when they get older, they end up going back to that thing that they really wanted to do. Mm. And they have to, they find themselves being like, I wish I would have never listened to them telling me that I couldn't do this or telling me that, um, that it wasn't right for me or wasn't going to be a fit for me that I needed to go over here. And a lot of people, even in counseling, a lot of people come into counseling because of the voices that somebody of somebody else from their childhood, mm. the voices of somebody from their adolescence, and they really having to work through that. And they're working through it because they're not realizing that that wasn't their voice. Mm. The voice that's stopping them now that they're thinking is their voice is the voice of somebody else from their past. And they wow. just internalized it as their own voice. And so really, I, that's one of the things that I would love to see changes, like get out of people's head, <laughs> people like just encourage folks encourage yeah. folks so Absolutely. in other words we we need to stop speaking um death onto people's purpose yes um, yeah because and, and i like what you said that's like you know because a lot of us are living off of somebody else's voice so like we go and try to chase something that's really not there and some sometimes we you know we lose directions ourselves with the choices that we make but not recognizing that the momentum that we're using to go pursue this dream is really somebody else's voice and not ours. That's Absolutely. deep. That's deep. I, I like that. Um, so I want to um, jump right into our topic today. It's a very interesting uh, topic about trauma and knowing your background. And like I said, you're the right person for the job to really uh, speak on this. And I'm noticing um, all over the world, uh, we have a lot of things. So as we're recording this right now, we have issues in Afghanistan. We have, um, you know, there's flooding going on in Tennessee, Rhode Island, all types of stuff. Uh, we just had, uh, unfortunately, another earthquake took place in Haiti. And when I look at these world events, uh, one of the first things I do is I look at men. Uh, men are really, I like to say, our frontliners at times because we carry a lot of things and we're just expected to do. Um, and some of the things that we experience are very traumatic. And so from a young age, we're kind of taught to suppress these things like, right, you know, don't cry, toughen up. Uh, me and you, you know, growing up in a township and going to Ferndale and all that stuff. Like, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really taught the emotional side. I was taught the pursuit, go get it. Um, we don't back down, you stand up, don't allow nobody, you know, talk you down, that type of thing. So we, yeah. In other words, we couldn't be soft from where we grew up. That that Absolutely. you wouldn't have survived. <laughs> you would have got ate alive. Um, right, right. But but that doesn't mean it was okay. And so a lot of times, men and I see it in my practice too. They're coming in like you said, and I love you. You said this so perfect that um, we're operating off of somebody else's voice, and mm -hmm. and that's to me that's very traumatic. Um, let me ask you this. 
let's start with the very basic level. What is trauma? Absolutely. So trauma really I like to make I like to make things really simple because we you know we That's can get all the very way. complicated. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Simple. So trauma really is anything that came that you experienced that threatened your your ability or it took away your ability to feel safe and secure or to protect yourself. So it could be anything from you being in a car accident um, where you felt out of control and you know it really impacted you. So now you're having a difficult time feeling safe with driving and you're on edge and it creates um, some other things and we'll, I will get into that. Um, but it could even be something as simple as a kid losing, you know, losing a, a blanket. If that blanket made that kid feel safe and secure and it was taken away from them unexpectedly, that, is, that may be traumatizing for that child because now this child without that blanket no longer feels safe and secure and now they're on guard and on edge. And so I like to look at those things. I call that trauma because anything in your life with, that helps you to feel safe and secure and it unexpectedly gets taken away from you and you have no control over it, that's going to have a lasting impact on you. Now, some people have different levels of resiliency where they can recover from that you know, pretty quickly, but some people's levels of resiliency isn't as high as they want it to be and they will be greatly impacted and that impact can last for years and years and as a therapist i'm a huge believer that how we do some things is how we do everything and so if you're traumatized in one area of life that trauma is going to show up in all the other areas of life you just may not recognize that it's there but it's going to show up and create some uh, hindrances there yeah i i was in a training once um because i kept getting a lot of uh, folks that are, were dealing with trauma and you, yeah, as therapists, you know, they teach us in school how to handle most things, but um, I'm an advocate of always um, keep learning and keep going through training. And I was in a, I was in the training and the presenter, he said, I remember because I wrote it down, he, he said like the Greek word for trauma uh, means wound, W-O-U-N-D. And I was like, wow. And I never thought about it like that way. Um, and he was talking about how trauma really narrow our perception. So basically just, you know, without experiencing a traumatic event, you know, our, our, our view of the world is sort of like a windshield. It's just so wide and we can see everything in front of us. And then once that traumatic event happens, it's almost like a little small, little narrow window and we can no longer see, you know, so wide, wide and things of that nature. When you, because you work with a lot of men, um, something you just said, and I want you to kind of go a little bit more in depth with this. When you said trauma can show up in every aspect of our life. So it might be something small, like you said, the blanket, but just in general, how can trauma show up in every area of our life just by experiencing one event? Absolutely. So when sometimes I'll do a... Um, my earpiece came out there. Sometimes I'll do a, uh, a a training on trauma, and so I will. I I do it an example where, you know, imagine that you're like walking through, you're you're walking through a forest, or a person is walking through a forest, mm -hmm. and you know they're just out hiking, doing their own thing, maybe with a, a friend or something. And they're you know they're having fun, and out of the blue, a snake bites them. They mm -hmm. look down, and this snake is there 
latched onto their leg and they get it off and they're perfectly fine afterwards. You know, they just had to put a little bandaid on, but that for that person, their safety was threatened. They were out of that, you know, out of the ability to feel in control in that situation. And it really shook them, but they were, they were physically fine. So now this person is, you know, walking down the street and just on a regular, regular street and boom, they look down and like a stick is on the ground, but they freak out because in their mind, it goes back to that moment of when they got bitten by that snake and they saw that snake and that, that stick looked like a snake. Hmm. And so what happens is that snake, that brown long thing became a trigger. It became a, a trigger for them. And so now everything that they encounter in their life that may be resemblant of that situation they'll go back right back to that moment so now mm -hmm. to bring it to how we look at it as so let's say a person experiences a child experiences maybe um like physical abuse mm -hmm. and or even actually i want to give the example of they they may experience um a house fire right and so the way that the brain works is the brain is constantly recording it's recording is court recording our, our through our five senses touch smell um hearing uh taste and i always forget one touch, uh, uh taste sight. touch smell sight how you forget sight there we go <laughs> i always leave i always leave one out me and you both <laughs> <laughs> but your brain is constantly recording things because that's the way we make sense we begin to understand the world is through our five senses and so now you're in a house fire the things that you're experiencing in a house while you may experience smoke sirens uh from like the the, the uh, fire truck um the smoke detectors going off screaming yelling all those types of things and so now you get older and boom some you marry somebody and they're in the kitchen cooking they burn something you smell smoke the last time the brain recorded smoke was in that house fire so mm -hmm. now your reaction to so now your reaction to this, just by burning a grilled cheese sandwich is equivalent to the response of you being in a house fire again. Wow. And you, you may hear, you may be driving down the street and you hear a siren. And instead of just kind of like pulling over to the side of the road, your body starts to respond as if it's back in the house fire because the last time it, it heard that siren, your house was on fire as a child. Hmm. And what makes, what makes it hard is because you're experiencing these small things that everybody else just looks at as normal, but your response is in chaos. Wow. wow. And it shows up in relationships. Um, if you were in a domestic relationship and this person was very like belittled you a lot and you know, maybe was even physical. Now, the, if you're traumatized by it, how that can happen is you may be on the job and your boss gets frustrated with you and they may raise their voice a little. And instead of you responding to your boss, your brain goes back to when you were in domestic violence and wow. you respond to your boss the way that you responded to that domestic violence situation. And now you fired. <laughs> and now you fired. Yeah. Now you fired. Absolutely. <laughs> and so it shows up friendships, same thing. A friend may, you know, make a joke or, you know, make an inappropriate joke, but if they may have used some of the same words that your ex used to use on you when you were in that domestic abuse. And so now you're responding to your friend's joke the way that you responded when you were in that relationship. 
And so it just shows up repeatedly yeah. over and over again until uh-huh. you go back and reprocess and deactivate some of the okay wow so so, something something that you said um i I like you said our brain is a recorder uh i never heard that before uh put it that way that was very well stated um of course my mind jumped right to well what do we need to do but before we go into (laughs) we we, we get there because you know i sound like a regular client like well this happened to my life now tell me what i need to do to fix it like well slow down (laughs) It, it doesn't happen that way so when you think um when i look at everything that's happening again, uh, especially for black men, right? Now you, a lot of, you said 90% of your clientele is black uh, male professionals. Um, And with everything that's happening in our world, right? You know, black men are very traumatized by being, you know, uh, pulled over by the police. We're being shot like left and right. And some people, unfortunately, especially where I live, um, it appears as though we're overdoing it or that's not happening to us. So it's almost as though um, our trauma is being dismissed because just because it personally did not happen to me, how can you be so affected by it? And as a black man, you know, I'm affected by anything that happened to a black man, because to me, uh, it can happen anywhere. So when I'm traveling, when I'm with my children and my wife, um, you know, I'm always on edge, meaning I'm watching my surroundings because it's an unfamiliar territory that I'm in, but I also have to make sure that I'm safe. So did any of, I know we can't talk client um, information, be disclosing their information, but how, how do you help um, specifically black men deal with trauma with everything that's going on you know we start now don't get me wrong we've been traumatized way back from I was gonna say we let's start from t- 2016 all the way up to right now but however I know our trauma goes way past that um, but you know there was um, there was uh, a president who to me didn't I'm not getting into the politics but to me he provided a platform right uh, for for certain things to happen, which was very triggering for us as black men. Um, how, what do you say to that? Like, what do you say to the black men that are listening and who still struggling with trauma, but they're not getting help? Absolutely. One of the things, one of the first things that I, I like to do is to give people the, the words to use or express what they're actually, to actually be able to label what it is they're experiencing or going through. And because we do, we experience that a lot where the trauma didn't happen to us, but we experienced it through somebody else. And because it didn't happen to us, it sometimes will get dismissed like, oh, you know, you'll be fine. Or, you know, yeah, I'm sorry that that that, that happened. And then like, boom, back to business as usual. Mm -hmm. But what that really is, is it's called secondary trauma. Mm. And with that, with secondary trauma is, is basically, I didn't, the, the event didn't happen to me, but maybe I saw it or I heard about it. And that had the same impact on me as if that person was experiencing it. So kind of like, you know, with, um, I know I was very traumatized by uh, the Ahmaud Arbery. I still remember that, like mm-hmm. how vivid it was when I was watching it unfold on television and 
for it to, you know, for me to say that, to see that, and then like go into work the next day where it was like, you know, predominantly um, Caucasian. And they were able to kind of, they were, they, they gave that, you know, the response of like, you know, I'm sorry that that happened, but it was back to business as usual. And mm-hmm. then right after that, it was the um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And so I think at that point, they started to kind of get it. But for me, I was already so, uh, so traumatized by, by seeing these things that I actually took, had to take a medical leave from work. And it was at that point when they really saw that, oh, this is impacting this person much greater than we thought that it was. And so a lot of people don't, understand, don't realize that it, just because the event didn't happen to you, you can still be traumatized secondarily. I don't even know if that's the word, but you can experience that secondary trauma mm-hmm. and it'll have that same you know, impact on you. So even in my private practice, Black men were coming in because what they weren't understanding was the ideal of secondary trauma. But one of the biggest things that was happening is that with the secondary trauma and them witnessing, you know, those injustices that happened, it was triggering them back to times when they actually experienced injustice themselves Mm -hmm. that they had kind of repressed. So it was bringing up all those old things and issues that they had just kind of like manned up on and you know repressed and pushed to the side and just kind of like got through it but because they kept re-experiencing these injustices on national television it they could no longer like push those down it was Mm -hmm. coming up and all the emotion behind it was coming and they needed to process it yeah you you're bringing up good points because like you said is that secondary trauma is very key because a lot of things like you said it's not necessarily happening to us but that recorder, our brain, mm-hmm. you know, see the correlation of something, the, the injustice that we experienced as a young child, and then to see the pain and the hurt, um, you know, when black men are on the ground, you know, and they crying out for their mama or something of that nature, mm-hmm. or, you know, the wrongful arrest and wrongful shooting, and the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very traumatizing, um, but yet we're expected to bounce back right? We still have to turn around um, and go right into the workplace and they want us to be on, but there's a a lot of suppressing that we are doing as men um, that are not healthy. I want to take a break uh, real quick here from my sponsors, but when we come back, Mm -hmm. I want us to really get to the what can we do uh, part, Um, you know, so somebody might want to fast forward and say, all right, good, get us us to the What, what can we do to that? Let's take a break for a second and hear from our sponsors. Today's podcast is sponsored by Renew Counseling Services, where our mission is to reveal, restore, and renew all people by using a holistic approach to help transform lives. If you know anyone in West Michigan seeking counseling services, send them over to our website for additional information, www dot renewcounselingservices.com again www.renewcounselingservices.com now back to our show all righty we are we are back uh we left off um just talking about trauma and secondary trauma and we want to get to the what can men do uh so Raynard, can you speak to um what are some first steps or some ideas for us men who like to suppress trauma and i don't want I shouldn't say like, because sometimes we're doing things and we don't know we're doing them. Yeah. So um, 
but now we're in a season where men are really being encouraged to go get help, uh, go sit down and talk to someone. But what are some other things we can do to process this trauma? Absolutely. Well, you already know the, one of the first things that I'm going to say is seek out a qualified health professional, mental health professional, um, to seek out a counselor or a therapist that you can really go into an environment, a safe space to be able to process those emotions, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, really process those life events and to develop those coping skills to be able to work through those different types of challenges. So that's always my first thing is to find a qualified professional. And, you know, we would like them to, you know, we would like them to be, you know, of a certain gender, things of that nature. But if you can't find one, still just go. Mm -hmm. Go and, you know, find somebody and just make sure that you're able to develop a a good relationship with that professional that you are working with. Counselor, therapist, psychologist, whoever that, you know, that is. the second thing is, is taking care of yourself, like to be able to experience something, experience an emotion or a thought and not immediately having to suppress or rush through it, mm. not having to just like, OK, I felt sad, but I got to hurry up and, and not be sad no more. And it's like, no, sadness is just an emotion the same way as happiness is. And they're on, a, you know, they're just on continuums the you know we can't be happy all the time we're not going to be sad all the time emotion is just an emotion and we have to learn how to just kind of like sit with them and be okay with experiencing them because when we experience them the only thing that's going to happen is you're just going to learn something and you're going to you're going to recuperate you're going to heal from it but when we rush through it we don't heal from it we just suppress it and it just keeps showing up in different areas of our life so can i pause so, you right there that's yep. what i that's what i meant earlier by saying that you know when and you see it uh, just like i see it when people come in our office and they want to jump right to the how to it's like uh uh-uh, uh like mm-hmm. that's not they going know. to help you because you're you're really when you try to rush through your pain you're actually suppressing your pain is that what you're saying absolutely Absolutely, 100%. And we are taught, you know, especially as men, we're taught, you know, you know, either express, you know, really like happiness or you get aggressive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't, re- I have in my office, I have like a deck of um, emotion cards. It's like 250 some cards. And I pull them out to show people that you have a, a wide variety of emotions that you probably, that you can experience. However, we're only taught to experience maybe like four or five of them. Mm-hmm. And that is why we have such a hard time communicating, especially as men, because we're only allowed to express a certain amount. But there's over 200 some different, you know, emotions to different degrees. Um, so I, I, want, I tell people, when you are learning to sit with an emotion, one, the reason that we don't want to sit with the emotion is because we feel like it's so uncomfortable. It's really mm-hmm. uncomfortable. But and we don't want to feel that that level of being uncomfortable, but nothing happens from it. People, they, so when I, I used to teach anger management and one of the things that would happen is, you know, you people come in, they're punching holes in walls, getting in the fight. And I would tell them, I was like, you know, the anger isn't why you're punching the hole in the wall. The anger isn't why you're getting in the fight. It's your resistance to experience the anger. It's your resistance to experience the mm-hmm. frustration. Mm-hmm. And so, when we, when we just sit with it, all it is is just an uncomfortable sensation in our body. But when we fight against actually experiencing it and feeling it, now that builds that pressure. 
Mm. And because that pressure is building, now I got to hit something because there's a lot of pressure. And that pressure is only built because two things are resisting each other, which is me feeling this emotion and me trying to push it away. And, you know, me put it's going to it's going to have the same amount of force and it's never going to go away until you just sit with it and let it pass. So that is why. Yep. So while sitting with it, let, let, let's go there for a second so we can encourage the man. What happens when we're sitting with it, right? So you keep saying, I sit with this emotion. What the heck does that look like? Absolutely. So you sitting with it, you become present with your body because one of the key things that happens when you don't learn to sit with your body and sit with what's happening with it is you become detached from your body. And so now in men, when we become, when we, when we suppress those emotions and we don't sit with it and that detachment happens, now that's where you get that idea of men, they're going to the doctor much later, too far along in the process of, you know, like recognizing that, oh man, I should, I came into the doctor and they said I should have came in about this six months ago, or I should have came in with this problem, you know, five months ago because we've become so detached from our body because we're just taught to rush through our emotions, rush mm-hmm. through everything that we're feeling just to get back to business as usual. But when we become, when we begin to sit with those emotions, we reattach to our body. We can recognize things that are going well within our body and things that are not going well. I would say that I teach grounding techniques at my office. And one of the, the top things that people will say when we do the grounding techniques is I never notice my breathing. I never notice how, you know, this thing was hurting or I never noticed like that I could actually feel how my clothes feel on my body. I just put my clothes on and just kind of go. Mm. And they become so much more aware of how their body feels and the things that are in their environment. And that right there alone has helped people manage their anger and frustration a lot more when they just become aware of how they're breathing because they've been detached from their self for so long because they're just rushing through everything Mm. and it's like no just sit with it you find when you sit with that anger the only thing that's happening is your heart is maybe it's gonna beat a little bit faster your hands Mm -hmm. may tremble you may get a little sweaty but none of that has ever killed anybody (laughs) wow that, that, that's good stuff, man, because like, again, we're unaware. And I think a lot of times, especially where me and you come from, uh, we're not taught this. We're not taught this at yeah, all. Uh, we, we're, we're taught actually the complete opposite of what you're saying. Like we got to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can tell yeah. how many countless fights we saw all the time uh, oh, and all of that stuff. But that I like men when men don't know, when they're not aware, when someone that a trusted source like yourself uh, and we don't know the process, we, we will fight the process. So that's why I asked you that question. That's very good insight. Another little thing, cause you're seeing the same problem I'm seeing here in Grand Rapids is that me and you, uh, our calendars are booked. Like we have zero availability. And I wanna speak to men to let them know that I get it, especially for us black men. We wanna sit, uh, sit across from somebody that looked like us. And I just want to say this um, right now, most of our schedules, uh, our practices are full. We booked up and we try to refer you to someone that we may know and we feel comfortable with. But even if we're not available, find someone who's qualified. And I get it. They may not be black and they may not be a black woman or a black male and things of that nature. But can you 
can you trust the process? Can you trust the fact that this person is qualified? And sometimes, um, you know, it doesn't matter what they look like. It's a matter of qualification, right? Um, just like, because a lot of us see our, our doctors and, you know, you already spoke to that. Some of us don't, but, you know, they don't always look like us, but they're qualified. So go for qualification if we're not available. Man, I want to wrap this up. Uh, what's one last parting thing you would like to uh, say? Because we can, you know, I feel like oh, we yeah. can do a part two with tra trauma if so. <laughs> Um, this Absolutely. we're just cracking the surface, but I like what you said earlier. You're a simple guy, but it's just getting started and um, getting some information out to there. So, some last parting words uh, that you may want to leave um, for our audience. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I would say you know one, just really begin to if you haven't been present with yourself to start practicing being present with yourself to, you know, really acknowledge what's happening with your body, acknowledge what's going through your mind. And if you begin to do that, you'll notice a, a, a increase in your, your pleasure, your joy, your happiness within your life um, to really just acknowledge, am I being true to myself? Mm -hmm. That is a question that I ask a lot of my clients. Are you being honest with yourself? You can be dishonest with me all day long, but I ain't gotta go <laughs> home with you. Right. Are you being honest with yourself? When you be when you sit when you learn to sit with your emotions, be honest about with yourself as to how you feel and what you actually think, you will find yourself progressing so much further in life and overcoming so many different hurdles that are just put in there just from simply being dishonest with ourselves and going along with things that we don't necessarily want to go along with. Um, so yeah, that, that's just be honest with yourself, acknowledge you know, are, am I happy with this? Is my voice really being heard? be true to those things, making sure your voice is heard, being honest with yourself, because that's where pretty much everything is going to start. Every ounce of success that you will experience in your life is going to start from being honest with yourself. Hmm. I like that. The, those are very, um, that, that's a good word. That That's true, because sometimes we're not honest with ourselves. Or let's go back to the beginning, where we're operating from somebody else's voice. And yes. And it's, it's not a real voice. And, and unfortunately, it's not us being true to our purpose and going after what we want to tackle. Man, I appreciate you for um, taking time out to sit with little old Wes and um, talk about trauma because our, our, our folks need to hear it. I mean, we need to hear from qualified individuals that can really speak to that. Where can um, our listening audience find you at any information, your website, all that stuff? Absolutely. Well, I'm on social media. You can find me at uh, Raynard the Counselor. That's R-A-Y-N-A-R-D, the Counselor Traditional Spelling. Um, on Instagram, I'm also on Facebook as just my name, Raynard Meredith. I'm on Psychology Today mm -hmm. as my name, Raynard Meredith, as well as uh, one of my favorite, favorite uh, um, networking sites, which is therapyforblackmen.com. You can definitely find me there. And then for other people too, there is, you know, a whole network. There's a, the opposite of it called therapy for black women, therapy for black girls. I'm sorry. Mm. You can find um, a list of, you know, black therapists on there as well, but I'm on therapy for black men. So those are the places that you can definitely find little old me. 
Most definitely. Well, again, man, I appreciate it. And to our listening audience, I hope you gained a lot of insight like I did. Um, I love learning and I love hearing different people pers- uh, perspectives. So uh, hopefully you all go, uh, you, you gain some knowledge and you go and have a great day. And thank you for uh, listening. Till next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Everything Renewed podcast. I hope you heard something that was helpful and that you can relate to. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Remember, start with the mind and everything can be renewed. Until next time, stay fresh, stay cool, and stay renewed.